When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Right, I've hit the button, Josh Brown, and we do not have a name for this. It's Scott and Josh's Monday Jamboree. It's the it's the Monday madness. It's the 75% off sale that you've been waiting for. I don't know what this <laughs> is, but we need a name at some point. This is the nearest we've no. got. It's just me and you blab for a bit. Well, that's it, man. I, I like not having a name. I like just coming up with whatever feels right in the day, like 75% <laughs> off what you need. That's what we are now, well, currently. Oh, I'll tell you so what, I've just, what I've just thought of, because we're going to get into, um, there's an article doing the rounds at the minute from ungeek.com, um, going through a whole bunch of completion stats for the very very popular games across, I think they're using uh, using trophy data um, to sort of look at trophies that are assigned to completing a story and then say, look, how many of these big top tier games actually got finished by, the, you know, by a, a mass audience? And we're going to get to that stuff. But as is very much the case in gaming right now, we're sort of just playing whatever comes to mind. Um, and I quite like that each week we're spiraling, we're, we're straying further and further from God's light. And I feel like <laughs> some of the stuff that, I mean, I've, I've, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Rogue, like an absolute madman. I'm playing Brothers in Arms, Hell's Highway. I know that you've got some surprises you're going to drop as well. But I did think for a name for the podcast, we could be Blabbers in Arms, like, blabbers like in Brothers arms. In, in, uh, in Banter. Uh, it's... It's, yeah, it's a choice. It I mean, is. I'm it's fine a, it's, with a, it's I'm a big fine. old choice. Um, now I want you to. You should kick things off because you told me that you've been playing super hot, which I yes. didn't even know. That's where you were. That's where I am now. I've, I was playing three games over the weekend, and super hot was the one that grabbed me the most. I would say oh. because um, I need to like preface this a little bit because I've played super hot before, but I've only played the VR version. I got it for the PlayStation VR. And they're two separate games, like yes. the regular oh, yeah, yeah. control version compared to the VR version. It's not just like they adapted it. It's like they're two distinct games. They sell distinctly on the store. So I could never justify buying it twice. I know there have been sales oh. since, but I got it when it first came out. But uh. It was like 30 quid ago. And I was like, oh, I don't want to spend 60 pounds on this if they're quite similar. So mm. it's taken me a few years to get to the actual super hot game after, you know, I've, I've played it before. I think we might have even played it at What Culture once, perhaps, where we just had like Maybe. messed around on it maybe or someone's house maybe it was your house i don't know i've definitely played parts of it before but i've never played it all the way through so now i'm going through it properly and oh you don't know how just, that game ends i know how it ends i do how it ends i do know the story of where it's going and stuff right. it's just like the levels themselves mm. that i'm not really used to playing with a controller because i'm used to playing around in a virtual space grabbing bottles throwing it and stuff like that and it's a lot of fun unsurprisingly i'm here four <laughs> years late Five years late at this point, I think. Five and now, it's really yeah. Good, mate. It's really, you really didn't good. play, um, or you won't have played Super Hot, um, whatever the Mind Control Delete, the one, the no. one from last year. I want to say it's from because like that was the one where.
where like because obviously like the original super hot came out in 2016 totally one of my favorite games love that it's one of the most original the thing is that whole thing at the end of the original one where it's like now go forth and tell the world that it's one of the most innovative shooters you've ever played that's what i would have tweeted anyway but like it very much (laughs) is that but obviously since the game said that everyone's aware that they can't promote it in that way but the idea that time only moves when you do that you can duck under bullets and i love all that stuff it's like being inside the lobby fight from the first matrix and i just kind of love the feel of it obviously like i I forget because they put more of a soundtrack in in the second one um but i remember thinking that the audio design for it was still just really cool anyway all the slow motion whooshes and all everything flying past you and everything and um, what was it that made you want to go back on that because I, I was the reason i bought up mind control delete is that they literally made a game that was so reflective of the hype around making more and i have the vibe from mind control delete because it's an infinite game and when mm-hmm. you finally get to the end of it you have to sit through a uh it's two hours now it used to be eight hours um and you have to sit there on a loading bar and it's like oh if you want to play more you have to sit through this whole thing um <laughs> just which just felt like such a middle finger because oh you want more do you oh you want another sequel oh you don't want like the next thing yeah. we're working on i was like yeah all right indie dev like oh, do you want to be any more indie like <laughs> and that, that thing was just like full-on like you know like oh you just all you want is a sequel um and so in yeah in mind control delete they very much made that as almost this celebration of super hard that feels like a middle finger they were bowing out but um for the original one and for vr in the 2016 one like that it was such a brilliant set of mechanics like what was it that made you go to it honestly it was because it was on playstation now and it was free ah. and i was like i can just give this a go i was looking for something to play at the weekend because i was a bit sick of all the games that i had and i was like right super hot's a game that i've been meaning to sit down and play properly for literally five years now and i was like this is the time <laughs> if i don't do it now i never will uh-huh. and like it's just yeah like i said it's clicked i do i do prefer it a little bit in vr than the base game and i feel like i've been spoiled a little bit because you know actually being in that space and performing the actions yourself feels if there's a level of immersion there that you're never going to get with the mm. controller like actually battering a guy with a you know a baseball bat or actually having to line up the throw of the projectiles and stuff again like the immersion is slightly there but that's not to say super hot base regular control version is is not good because it really is and it's a completely different feeling experience mm. but one that's kind of one that feels way more intricate and way more methodical in how you have to approach it. Like it feels mm-hmm. almost like a puzzle game in a, yeah. in a lot of ways, you know? Well, the thing I was going to say about the VR one is that, cause you said about, you can't really replicate like some of the poses that I got into playing the VR one where it's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm bent over backwards. I'm like Neo, I'm like Neo style. I'm sort of like, I'm arched 90 degrees backwards. I'm like stretching my arm out to stab a guy really gently with a knife while I'm shooting the other way. I'm looking back and forward. Like, and I'm like, this probably isn't how I'm supposed to be playing this. Like this weird sort of like multitasking menace in the middle of the firefight. But I still <laughs> love that you can do that. Cause I was going to say like, was there anything that you like, felt that you couldn't do in the regular one that the VR one frees up. Because the thing that I love about VR is, um, you know, being able to ma- like manage multiple enemies. Like you can almost yeah. look two places at once just by jutting your head around. And I feel like yeah. any game that takes, takes advantage of that always feels like this can only be done in VR. Yeah, I think that's the big thing, that extra dimension to the space where you can like look around a bit more freely. You can kind of multitask a bit more. And obviously multitasking is still part of the base game. But in the base game, there's been a lot of times where I've been like, I can't see anyone in front of me, which which means there's someone behind me. So you turn around, of course, right. there's like dudes spawning there and you have to, to take them on. And it's fun. But yeah, like for me, VR almost spoils games like this. Like it's why I've never gone back to play Resident Evil 7 in on, oh, on like a regular PlayStation. Yeah. I've still not done that because I played it first in VR and I played it. Mm-hmm. Well, I played parts of it since in VR. And I'm like, has this spoiled the experience for me where if I go back, it'll feel less. And it's not that it feels bad. It just feels like I've, I've seen, I've pierced 
beyond <laughs> what is capable on modern consoles to you like matrix that you went above the clouds you've seen the light and you've got to go yes. back down again but i think with vr because i remember in um super hard there's a lot of like picking guns off the floor or like like leaning down like ducking under bullets and for me it was only because i was on the psvr i know you're on the psvr as well but i feel like your setup is just more reliable than mine like for whatever reason mm. whenever i have to do things like lean down or go out of what would be the, I guess the sight range of the camera on top of the TV. Um, I must just disappear off their track and tracking capabilities completely. Um, Cause I've just, every time I lean down and try and do something, like pick something up, my floating hand just, just, just floats away from me really yeah. slowly. It just completely loses it. Um, and so over time, I never finished super hard VR, even though I do know how it ends. Um, and so I never like, yeah, I never got through it because I just couldn't trust the hardware, which I guess would be the thing that like for a lot of people, the hardware holds them back, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it even did for me the first time I played it. Mm. I, I first played it, I was in um, university and I, I had a really small um, room where like I just, every time I like <laughs> like you, when I bent down to pick something off, off of the ground, my hands would start floating away from me. And I thought, oh, this is, <laughs> it's not how it's supposed to be done. But then when I moved and got a bit of a bigger living space or at least mm. a, a more clear living space where I didn't have- Somewhere where you can spread your legs. Yeah, so where I could spread my legs and I could spread my arms. Um, you know, I got like the intended version, and I, that's when I was came around to it a bit more and just thought, mm -hmm. yes, this is ultimately this is the we way it should be. It is ultimately we would heartily recommend Super Hot. I feel like a lot of people yes. have played it. It does have a reputation. A lot of people know the Super Hot thing, and I feel like it just it's one of those. For me, it is like I haven't felt a game play with the core of a genre so well like in in so long like just that like i said that idea of like movement speed controlling the slowdown like just just the base idea of moving the analog stick feels different in that game than it would in anything else and i feel like it just should be held up because of that um because i feel like the more years we get away from it and the fact that the only sequel they did eventually dropped last year but like i said is this sort of weird endless runner thing um i feel like it needs more due like it's so it should be held up as like this great experiment into what like a first person shooter can be um, yeah. That stuff's cool. Um, speaking of weird first-person shooters, did you play Brothers in Arms Hell's Highway back in the day? I loved Brothers in Arms. <laughs> Brothers in Arms. Brothers Get in Arms Hell High Hell's Highway. I've completely mangled that. I love the whole series, man. Like that was my first-person shooter, even before really? Call of Duty. Like I didn't play Call of Duty two until way late. So for mm. me, it was like Brothers in Arms, and I'd play that with my dad. Like we just like take turns, and we'd have a <laughs> go on that series. But yeah, like Brothers in Arms Hell's Highway is one I always think I might rebuy and play that. It's I actually only, might have a copy around somewhere. Yeah, but I've just never actually gone back to it since. Um, well, we're not obviously we're not spoiled by Mr. Ubi, Mr. Soft, but it is like three pounds on the current Ubisoft sale. That's where <laughs> I got it from because I've always heard about it, and I always love. I mean, I was like aware of that game because of the gore, like the yeah. um, you throw a grenade in and everyone's limbs go flying. And I, I remember seeing that as part of like a montage on some of the like, goriest games ever type thing, um, and being like what the hell is that that must be something like a um what's it called double helix i can't think what that old game series um was it soldier of fortune soldier of fortune yes when the double helix was just the sequel i think flying around yeah yeah and it was like that whole thing of across the 2000s of like the goriest games or whatever and i remember seeing footage of brothers in arms and then being oh it's like a serious gritty military thing and whatever for whatever reason it took me this long to go to it that game especially right now like in among you think of like the, the military shooter space the scene now there is nothing that controls like that game where yeah. like, and obviously the control scheme is, I mean, it's came out in like 2004. So like you are like, um, you know, clicking the right stick in to go to aim down sights rather than just the left trigger or little things like that. Um, but the way that it controls in regards to like moving your platoon around, like you're always holding the left trigger um, and instead of aiming, you'll sort of, well, you will aim, but you'll aim with like a little reticule to tell your dudes where to go. So once you start managing multiple teams, it's like you, for me, I like, I mean, I'm only like a couple of levels in, I think. Um, but I sort of systematically took apart this like airfield full of these like discarded yeah. wrecked um, planes and everything. And there was like eight to 10 enemy groups that like all have little warnings 
symbols above them. And if you fire on them, you can get them to hunker down because you're providing suppression fire. And so it was like, I was like, you know, shooting on some dudes and then I would aim to the side, tell one of my teams, go around the side, I'll fire on the dudes that are firing on you so you can actually get into position. And then they counter fire while you move up and then you, you know, look back across, move someone else up and you just systematically like bit by bit, like move these chess pieces into place. Yeah. And I was like, this just feels great. And I get, it reminded me of um, the XCOM uh, spinoff, the Bureau Declassified, I think it was called, where yeah. they tried to do like a weird first person well like a weird action based strategy game that didn't really work um, and it reminded me of full spectrum warrior as well i don't know if you played that back i didn't know full spectrum was i forgot the name of the software that it originally came from but it was a piece of um software that apparently was used to train soldiers uh, in real life or something and they like used that and made a game out of it but it's all about placing your soldiers picking your angles making sure you're flanking dudes and all that kind of thing and i was just like yeah in the current space um weirdly reapproaching this 2004 game that also has a very hairy narrative like yeah. there's a very, very specific kind of weighty tone to it. Um, I was like, this just feels really fresh. And I know that it's totally fresh retrograde because it's just like, it stands out in retrospect. But yeah, man, I'm loving it. Like I said, I'm only a little bit into it, but like you said, you have pretty positive memories of it as well. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said there about like systematically, you know, moving through these levels. I think it, it really nails the sense of taking ground in like that yeah. battlefield. You know what I mean? Every mm. inch of the level that you take and every enemy that you take down feels earned and it feels satisfying and the fact that you've got like these suppression meters popping off like you Mm. need your team to cover you while you're moving from point to point it makes that kind of slow methodical approach to the combat like just feel so rewarding when it pays off and it makes you feel kind of like a unit even though you are just playing Mm. on your own with ai teammates like when you pull off like a really great assault without with losing as little health as possible or or without losing any of your teammates and stuff Mm. like it just it feels great and it feels unlike a lot of the world war ii shooters that were around at the time obviously we had so many but that was always my game of choice because i just click with that combat a bit more yeah the co- the combat in call of duty on medal of honor is twitchy and satisfying as hell mm. but there's something like like the bombast in those games almost kind of like breaks the immersion in the way where it's just it's it's so fun and it's so such a good time whereas mm. in brothers in arms i always felt like i always felt like i felt like i was part of the fight you know what i mean well, like i was in like- that space yeah in in medal of honor and in call of duty it, you're like it's one person going up against everybody else like i love like the you know the d-day um set piece from um frontline and it's not you know there's, there are great moments that showcase like a squad going forward but it's still your one person taking over like a bunker or your one person clearing out a facility or whatever whereas like when you play brothers in arms like you go down in like one bullet or like yeah. it's just a couple of bullets or you take other dudes down in a couple of bullets so i was like this feels really realistic it reminds me of um was it operation flashpoint dragon rising yes which like yeah, also yeah. tried to be that super gritty realistic thing it was weird because i guess until call of duty took the they almost like relaxed everything and made it more overblown and made it like i mean medal of honor was doing that to some degree but like made it more overblown and that's when the military space really like took off because like the early 2000s um between 2000 2005 that's when you had like operation flashpoint uh brothers in arms and full spectrum warrior they were all like 2003 to 2005 um and i love like i said i love that now because the the um overblown side of it has been so perfected um but yeah i mean like brothers in arms i'm gonna play a lot more of it the story thoroughly confuses me i also spent most of my first (laughs) hour with it um convinced it was band of brothers and then going like is that a character that i know from the show is it a similar thing is it it's it's incredibly in all but name i suppose (laughs) it's like they watched band of brothers and was just gone yeah we'll 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 do that we'll do that everyone will love it there was a brothers in arms movie like that came out way later but i was like i just googled it 
Yeah, but I think that's just a movie that happens to be called Brothers in Arms because I was just right. my mind. I mean, I, I'll let the people um, at home know I got my vaccination on Saturday, so I spent most hey. of Sunday being blurry as hell. I know it was pretty cool, um, but I spent most of Sunday being blurry as hell. Then I was playing Brothers in Arms, and I was like, "This is." I thought I thought this was the Band of Brothers game, and then when I was like, "No, that's two separate franchises," and then I started googling. Well, my wife was googling Brothers in Arms because I was clearly in distress, and then she was like, "No, this is a separate. <laughs> this is a separate thing." But there is a movie. Um, and in my head, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. I went back to bed, um, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get it. Um, but I guess tonally, there are some similarities in regards to the portrayals of war, like sticking with the squad, learning people's names yeah. and, uh, and sticking with them. So it's a big deal when someone gets shot. Um, the beginning of Brothers in Arms, Hell's Highway, though, jumps between like 20 different scenes, at like a fraction of a second each. And then you eventually land on a team that you go forward as. Um, but it was fun. I'd still totally recommend it, especially right now, if you're a bit sick of the, I guess, the Call of Duty formula, the Battlefield formula, if you want something that fun fundamentally plays different um something like the um you know the game pass the old school the um backwards compatibility stuff is a way to sort of revisit things and the frame rates higher the, the visuals are better the hdr's there whatever um it's good your other thing that you have been playing was i put a mix you told me to put a mix of tekken slash mortal Kombat slash injustice have you yes. have you done a mystery um, well yeah because I've, I've, i'm still in the fighting game kick after we talked last <laughs> about uh, mortal Kombat 11 the and so i i used to love tekken when i was you know growing up like tekken 3 i lived on tekken yep. 4 i even really enjoyed but then i just stopped playing tekken for the longest time really uh, tekken, tekken 7 5 was, was the one that i, I loved after like t- 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 tekken 3 is like yeah. absolute god tier the best game of all time and then like <laughs> 4 was like oh my god and then 5 was when i kind of came back but then 6 i dropped See, off again Five, uh, five, I dropped off because I, just, I don't know why I never bought it. It was one I just played around a cousin's and <laughs> that was my fill. And then I just didn't, Tekken 6 might as well not have even existed yeah. um, on my radar. But then 7 came out and I've been eyeing it up for a while. And finally, like the ultimate edition or whatever was in the sale on PlayStation uh, on the PS Store. So I bought it, played five minutes of it and thought, <laughs> actually, I want to play more Mortal Kombat. So now it's got uninstalled Good. because I, I've got Injustice 2 downloaded instead because I just wanted more of the 2D style. You want another own style. I want NetherRealm style, and I've decided that if I want a Tekken, I'm just going to plug in the PlayStation and play Tekken 3 instead. So is Tekken so I'm gonna, 7 going to be 3. revisited at some point, or does it not I, matter? I don't know. It might not matter. Is it your Neo 2? I got Neo 2 to see it what the big be. deal was, and it's just yeah. gone. <laughs> it feels like that, because I started the story in Tekken 7, and I was like, I, d- I don't know. The time might have passed. Maybe if I get <laughs> Tekken 8, whenever that comes out, you know what I mean? I might enjoy that, but... Mm. I don't think Tekken 7 is the one for me because I just don't know if I want to jump between all these different fighting franchises at once. Is the thing. It, I, I will, yeah, that's the thing. I will say go from one to the other. I guess the the NetherRealm have got so good and so tight and there's so much frame data and all that kind of, all that side of it uh, in the new Mortal Kombat and, and in Injustice 2. Um, but if you want the Tekken 3 kick while you're playing Tekken 7, you can set that game's menu music and sound effects and everything to replicate any of the older Tekkens. So right. if you just if you just apply the Tekken 3 sound pack, then you might be sorted, mate. This is what got me though, because when I was playing it and I was um, you know, choosing characters, and strangely enough, they play how I remember them playing, like with oh, the yeah. same moves and some of the same some of the same animations, you might say. Yeah, some of the same animations. <laughs> and I was like, Well, am I playing this because I want to play Tekken 7 or am I playing this because I want to play Tekken 3? You know what I mean? So in the end, I think I might just be after the nostalgic hit 
of a Tekken game I've already played mm -hmm. rather than caring about where the story's gone. So I'm going to revisit the old game and then hopefully go back to it in the future because after all, I have bought it for actual real money <laughs> and I need to justify that somehow. You should do as well the Tekken 7 story because that was like, that was Namco going like, oh God, lads, we're, we're missing out because <laughs> Mortal Kombat's fly, like Mortal Kombat's style of like fighting game story. We should do one of them. And so Tekken 7 is very much them doing that style of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I Tekken is like, is the king for me, but like there is something about the way that Mortal Kombat is like snappier um, that I feel like, you know, you're not, it's that whole dialer combo thing like in Tekken where you can, like you can, if you hit like X square, double X, circle triangle, and you punch them all in, as long as you're not too fast, that that entire animation will play out. Whereas I feel like in uh, Mortal Kombat, you, you you can miss those timing windows more easily. And I know you can tweak those things in the options, but that's always been the thing with Tekken that you can just dial in this big 10 hit combo. And then it almost plays itself sometimes. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I, I mentioned the last time we were talking about it, like fighting games in general, like aren't my forte, and it takes mm -hmm. me a long time to learn them. So instead of like jumping between them, I was thinking with MK11 because I'm enjoying it so much. And I do want to, I've been doing like the Towers of Time and all that jazz. Yes. And I've been looking forward to unlocking new customizable aspects of the characters. And I want to learn the characters more. So I just thought, right, I'm going to just commit to this. I'm going to learn the combos. I'm going to learn how to play it properly, essentially, and not just bluff my way through fights. And I want to right. get better at it. And I found myself doing that last night and just having a great time going through the towers, trying out different characters, trying out different builds. And I thought, this is great. I could like live on this for... Mm -hmm. For the next five years or whatever until well, i get a fighting game like again. my <laughs> that's why it's become my like go-to like casual game because like it's taken me uh six years i guess since rocket league where i'm not playing it every day anymore mortal kombat has become my everyday thing like where it's just spend the money unlock one of the character towers like play like the five five well the five different mini towers that make up the um the unlock stuff get the new gear then move on to someone else and there is something about that it is a grind but like there is something about that that i feel i do find like super satisfying although i will say that i think injustice 2 did the visual cosmetic stuff in a better way um ah. i just remember being more addicted to the injustice treadmill even though i live and breathe mortal kombat like i just can't go a, can't go a minute without thinking of the mortal kombat movie right now but it's just <laughs> Mortal Kombat's in me but there was just something about the injustice loop that maybe it was because it was the first time they'd done it or something and um, that it stood out um the other thing that i've been playing that i'll very quickly throw in then we can talk about what we initially said we were going to talk about like 20 <laughs> minutes ago um but i've been playing assassin's creed rogue um which oh, did, you, gosh, did you play this no, 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 <laughs> well, I didn't. I, 
and I moved on by that point. Yeah, that's the thing, because this is the one that came out alongside Unity, and obviously, um, which was 2014, and that year was the year that Assassin's Creed died, and they just, you know, they still had Syndicate being made, so that got put out in 2015, and then they took time off and came back with Origins, and everything was forever different. Um, but going back to Rogue and going back to an old school one, because I played uh, Freedom Cry as well. Um, that was hmm. like late last year. I just randomly played uh, Freedom Cry, which is the one that focuses on Adewale. He's one of the, I think he's a slave who freed himself. I've literally done this, the story, but he's a dude who freed himself. Um, and then he manages to get a ship. And it's sort of like a mini version of Black Flag, um, which I drastically preferred because it was tighter story-wise. And I really cared about um, freeing slaves and like, you know, taking like getting revenge and all these horrible slave traders. I was like, this is a, an easy access motivation for me. I was like, yes, I'll go and butcher these dudes with a machete, F these guys. And so like that stuff was great. And then when you play Rogue, obviously the whole selling point is that you are an assassin turned Templar, you join the other side, you play Shea McCormack, the uh, Irish dude. And I haven't got to the point where he's switched sides yet. But the thing that's standing up to me, and the reason I mentioned Freedom Cry as well, is that the way that those games used to play, you forget how like Matrix inspired, mentioned Matrix a bit this pod, but like, 2000s approach to fight choreography was like lots of flips and spins and group kills and i i miss that stuff i I didn't like didn't realize how much i missed that stuff in an assassin's creed context till i went back to rogue and i was taking out like two dudes at once i was like stabbing a dude and then shooting the guy that's past him um or like doing like the um like like massive diving aerial kills and all that kind of stuff and it was like it peaked in ac3 but i remember you know in assassin's creed 3 there was like a pre-release um Ubisoft dev interview where they were like, oh, Connor's just like an absolute, you know, machine. Like there's, you can't stop him. All the gods are terrified of him. And I remember the comments being like, well, what's the point in playing like a stealth game then? Because we can Mm -hmm. just like, we can just mow down some dudes. And it's true. I feel like, you know, with the chain system they brought in in like, um, in a brotherhood that like it did get to the point where you can just mow through like 20 dudes, just keep putting, keep hitting the kill button. You'll just keep doing cool things. But I feel like they got it so far away from that in the new Assassin's Creeds where like I, now that I've gone back to Rogue, I wish they fleshed that out more. I wish that they made like yeah. the rewarding side of the combat that we now have, where it's literally just Ubisoft ripping off Dark Souls. I wish they'd made the, you know, like that idea of like owning your kills, tie that with specific animations, make those timing windows tighter um, and make it so they can still take out like three dudes at once or whatever. Um, Cause like for me, it's, it is th- that old school feel is the thing that I miss when like an assassin was this badass toiling backflipping yeah. rope on a you know dagger on a rope flinging dude and i miss that i used to love that stuff man like especially ac2 and ac brotherhood like you yeah. said like um, being able to chain the kills being able to it was basic because essentially you were just waiting to parry them so you get a chance <laughs> to kill yep. but it, it looked cool and it felt cool and like you said you were in those situations where you were surrounded you could mm. take everyone on and you would like slip out by the skin of your teeth getting a last minute parry or something and yeah it does kind of take away from the idea of being a stealthy assassin but you have to remember <laughs> those old games didn't even have a crouch button so like how concerned were they <laughs> anyway? do i know it stuff? i spent most <laughs> of the time on rogue like just was just walking through the forest just walking <laughs> through bushes trying to sort of like walking up because i'm also playing metal gear snake eater metal gear 3 and like that game you have to use the d-pad to walk slow enough as you get spotted so i was like yeah. well, i'm clearly gonna get spotted and um, playing rogue but no you can just walk right up behind guys and then give them the old <laughs> give them the old heave ho which is you know it's 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 certainly a choice because i guess <laughs> back in the day it was all about it was you forget but like assassin's creed especially assassin's creed 1 and 2 was mm. as much about chase and, and running away and escaping as it was about stealth. Like it was yeah. less about sneaking up on people and more about getting through in plain sight. And if you did get seen, you know, jumping in a hedge and hiding and jumping <laughs> in a hail bale and hiding and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I do wish some of those features were incorporated in the new Assassin's Creed because while I do quite like the, the rhythm of combat and the new one, it feels at times a bit sluggish. Like I, yeah. I really enjoyed Valhalla, but, you know, after 
time, it feels like your options are a bit limited. And even like the gory kills, some of them are very satisfying. Some of them just kind of feel a bit off, like the sound yeah. effects don't go off when they should. And, They've never matched you know, them, have they? Like I no. <laughs> always notice that every single time. I remember first noticing it in Black Flag because that was, I mean, the, like, the group kills are in AC3, but I just, I remember in Black Flag realizing that nothing was synchronizing. And even in, in the Rogue remaster, it's still not synchronized. Right. I know, man. Like there's stuff like that. Like just, uh, it's not a lack of polish. It's just some it's an annoying little thing that you always <laughs> felt like should have been tighter and would have, mm. you know, added a lot to the satisfaction and the visceral feeling of combat that you've just kind of lost a little bit in my way. I think for me going forward, you know, you mentioned Assassin's Creed Rogue there being a kind of like companion piece to um, Unity. You know, one came out in the last gen, mm. one came out in the next gen at the time, and they were both completely different experiences. For me now, I would love an Assassin's Creed game to kind of go back to the Assassin's Creed origins but don't do it in the way that assassin's creed origins did you know what i mean but like give us an old school assassin's creed experience alongside the newest stuff it doesn't mean you have to pack in the newest stuff just you know Mm. in between or alongside like this franchise is big and if you give people choice i'm sure people would appreciate it like laps fans who haven't played for a while Mm. while you still retain the people who love odyssey love valhalla because those games take a long time to make and ubisoft likes to have assassin's creed games out regularly so why Mm. not break it up with an old school feeling one. Well, I'll tell you what I'll very quickly say, because this is a really good segue, but I will very quickly say that the we think of like the Assassin's Creed, the Ezio collection, like obviously they've referred to it as the Ezio trilogy and AC2 Brotherhood and Revelations, it is the Ezio trilogy. The There's no name for it. Um, but there should be for like the Black Flag collection because like Assassin's Creed Black Flag with Freedom Cry and with Rogue um, it forms a brilliant trilogy where like all those characters are all like intermingling with each other. They all reference each other. Adewale turns up at the start of Rogue. Um, obviously Adewale plays a big role in Black Flag and it's like the, all that stuff crosses over and you go to the same locations in some in some spots you go to the same locations um, and everybody is referencing each other. Everybody's referencing what's going on. There's big chunks of time in between each one. So it's like all those things just work in a way where I was like, oh, I really, I really care about this period in Assassin's Creed history. And I feel like yeah. they did like a little collection of games there and they sort of moved on. And it's not that I want them to start monetizing the living hell out of every location again. Um, but it, it, there is like a, there is something worthwhile narratively to like fleshing out multiple assassins in a specific time period. Um, and I yeah. feel like that stuff went really well. Um, you mentioned the thing about um, the combat sort of feeling a bit stale over time though, um, with like the, the newer Assassin's Creed, or so maybe they're not sort of offering an up enough um, ways to change it up over the course of like an 80 to 100 hour playtime, which brings us back around to the thing that I mentioned at the very beginning, um, which is the article from ungeek.com, um, which is sort of taken off because they shared that the completion stat for Ghost of Sushma um, is 50.2%, which, you know, is weird because a 50% completion rate sounds low. If you got 50% on like a test or something, you'd maybe be a little bit good. But in regards to um, the vast majority of people not finishing video games, a 50% completion rate is actually extremely high. Um, something else to throw in here is that The Last of Us 2 is one of the games that has one of the highest completion rates um, at 60.6% at time of recording. I had a little Google um, for that. But um, Assassin's Creed, um, there's a multiple, there are multiple Assassin's Creeds in this write-up, um, with Valhalla only having a 19.8% completion rate, um, and Red Dead Redemption 2, 28.2, and the other Assassin's Creed, Odyssey has 30%, Origins has 38.2%, um, and Spider-Man is the one that they've got at, at, um, at their number one spot with 50.8%. Um, what's your thoughts on this stuff? Because for me, with Assassin's Creed, they've only gone bigger and bloatier, and I feel like yeah. hardly anybody has seen the story stuff that's in there. Um, hence the thing that we talked about, we'll stay away from spoilers, I guess, but the way that Valhalla ends should be up there with the way AC2 ends, but it's just that most people aren't seeing that story stuff anymore. 
Yeah, and I think a huge part of it, especially with with that AC in particular, is like, you know, all of the game is just you conquering different parts of the map. Like, you're doing the mm. same thing every single mm. time you go to a new region. You know, you're doing the same types of missions that all culminates in a big assault where you gain an alliance and you add it to your map. And that's literally mm. it for the whole game. And I think the big difference between something like Assassin's Creed and a Spider-Man and a Ghost of Tsushima is that, like, the narrative through line propelling you through the tasks isn't anywhere near as strong as it should be like in Valhalla mm-hmm. like I could hardly say what the main story is supposed to be because it could kind of be the future stuff that's kind of happening in the present day surrounding you know what's going on at a kind of massive law level it could be what's going on in England itself it could be the what's going on with your clan you know what I mean like there's so many different threads happening at once that are interesting in, the, in their own right but I wasn't wanting to finish the game to see what happened I was wanting to finish it just so I could say I'd finished it whereas <laughs> you look at something like ghost of Tsushima. i mm. wanted to see what happened to the end of that oh, story yeah. i wanted to see what we were building to i wanted to see what was going to go down and the same with spider-man you know spider-man has such a great narrative going through it in a sense mm. of escalation and pacing and that's and the open world supports that and i feel like when we've got to this point where it's just like um ubisoft in particular putting out games where they don't want you to finish it essentially like they want <laughs> you to be playing to the point where the next game releases they don't mm. want you on anything else so they Keep will like, on the end things yet yeah, they will release expansions that continue the cliffhangers in their stories where it never feels complete i finished assassin's creed valhalla doing almost everything <laughs> in it and i don't feel like I've completed it. I don't feel complete in the experience I've got. I feel like there is more to come or it's part of a larger whole, which I didn't guess get with Ghost of Tsushima when I finished Mm -hmm. that. I thought, right, I'm pleased I've seen all this out. I'm so pleased I got to see what happens to these characters and finish all of their arcs. And sorry to keep rambling, but I think a big point is like in Tsushima, you get those extra activities, you get the extra side missions, but they all link and inform the main story like all of the extra character side missions you get in that game like they're not essential but if you do them you're encouraged to do them because Mm -hmm. you connect with the people in the main narrative that's where they're introduced and then it circles back around to where their stories then inform what's going on in the narrative so kind of everything feels purposeful in a way that collecting wealth in assassin's creed valhalla just didn't where you could do that and it's like well it's a good way to spend an hour but also Mm -hmm. i've not really got anything substantial from that everything that will change. In, yeah everything in ghost of Tsushima felt like it was it's almost like a like one big through line path i'm sort of doing like a like a diagram with my hands like one <laughs> sort of through line narrative that you were following up and you had all these sort of like spiraling outwards threads that maybe like loop around and go elsewhere but always come back into that main through line thread um, and always propel you towards like if, if that middle thread was a giant arrow then it's always going in one direction everything else comes back into that main thread there were there was nothing in Tsushima that i did that i felt wasn't meaningful um even if it was just filed under like thematics of just sort of this one guy doing what's necessary to eradicate the Mongol invasion across Sushima itself. I still loved seeing that. I still loved interacting with the NPCs. Whereas like you said, there's, it's a weird paradigm shift because I feel like Ubisoft make these massive overblown, just huge games that can last you hundreds and hundreds of hours. Um, and every time that comes up as a direct um, comment on the series, there's always someone in the comments just being, or a few people upvoting, saying like, look, that's how we like it. We want these games to be massive and we want to put a huge amount of time into them. Um, but then you look at the completion stat and I'm like, okay, that is almost def- that is almost directly reflective of that portion of the fan base because 20%, 19.8% of people have finished Valhalla. Assumedly, that's 20% of everybody playing Assassin's Creed is actually going to play for hundreds of hours. The vast majority of people are going to bounce off because they don't have a story-based hook um, taking yeah. them through. 
And I think, um, you know, if you look at some of the other games on that list, you know, we pointed out um, Spider-Man and Ghost of Tsushima as some mm-hmm. of the best from Sony stable. But if you look at the completion rate for Days Gone, that's actually much lower. It's like 34% or something. Yeah. And I think, again, that is, re- that is reflective of that game's narrative arc because when I was playing that, I liked it, you know, more than most people, I think, or at least <laughs> more than some of the reviews at the time. And I was enjoying my time it. in it until I finished it. But the narrative, uh, the backbone of the narrative just isn't there like that Mm. story is so episodic to a fault where literally when you're 40 hours in you're getting introduced to the game's main villain after you've already killed another main villain because the Mm -hmm. story just keeps continuing and there's not one thing pushing you through you know there's the relationship between deacon and his wife but even that's kind of like stop and start everything is stop and start with it to the point where it's so big and bloated that you can't really have the driving force and motivation that you do in something like spider-man where your goal is very similar all the way through when you're going on one like linear mm. path from escalating from the beginning until the climax whereas days gone was kind of all over the place and so weirdly paced that i've you know i've said it before but there was a point where i got like 50 hours in and i realized that there was a whole other map that i hadn't explored yet and i just thought i think i might be done you know at that point <laughs> what is there at the end of the road it's just uh-huh. so i can complete it like the story i've already played about two games worth of story in that time you know totally. what i mean i've beaten two villains so i need i need something larger rather than just content what, what's interesting if you talk about or we talk about the idea of story being the thing that'll see you through um horizon zero dawn's completion rate is only 30, 34.1 percent uh the witcher threes is only 29.8 percent and death stranding mm. is only 28.6 obviously strandings um uh, mechanics are way more are way harder to uh, accept, I guess. Like there were people like us who absolutely loved the the direction that game went. And hey, give me individual triggers for my momentum while I'm walking forward or whatever. <laughs> I'm all up for Kojima madness in gameplay. Um, but something like Horizon Zero Dawn for me that has one of the best stories of the generation, and only 34% of all players actually saw it. Kind of sucks. Um, and so like kind of flies in the face of saying that or we're assuming that like, you know, a story is the solution to how you would get around this problem. True. Um, it seems to be a mix of things. I mean, I, it's weird because I feel like Horizon should be like should be up there as this incredible story thing in the way that Red Dead Redemption 2 is, but Red Dead's Red Dead 2's like reputation gets it up there because Red Dead 2's completion rate is only 28.2%. So it's yeah. like it's it's just a weird way for it to go. But I think ultimately. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do, I guess, across the next, the newest generation, whether we still get these big bloated games or whether we see a return to story stuff. Because we did a really old podcast, um, would have been a couple of years ago now, called like, is or was stories in video games just a fad? Well, like, across the 2000s, the early 2010s, like you needed a story hook. Whereas I feel across the eighth gen, it was just like, no, you just need a set of mechanics. And we're just going to treat it like an arcade. And you're going to put microtransactions, you're going to put your coins in and you play yeah. for a bit and you just keep going and it never ends, which is the end of all things for me if that becomes the <laughs> that becomes the way. Um, so yes, I must wrap this podcast up. I need some way to segue into advertising Tailford. He's someone will be they'll be joining us for the end of some podcasts going forward. So I'll is say that this why you flicked your hair over. Is this the rise of advertising <laughs> Tailford? <laughs> The rise of Advertising Tailford. I think he's staying for a few weeks. I could be wrong. And if people listen to this in the future, when Advertising Tailford has left, then these outros will not make any sense. But for now, Advertising (laughs) Tailford is in the house. Um, I've been Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. And we'll see you soon. And we will see you soon. I'm going to pass it over to Advertising Tailford.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.